Hello, everyone. Um, it's been about a month. And again, it's just me. Betsy is, at least for the time being, not going to be on. Um, she's got bigger fish to fry in her life right now. So... Uh, I feel like I don't know how the show is going to go forward or if it is. Um, Betsy was uh, the main researcher for all this. What's up, King? She was the, the brains of the operation. I was the pretty face, and now we've just got a pretty face. This will be like... Legally Blonde doing a show or something. I don't know. But anyways, hopefully we're sounding good. But we're at a 30-year anniversary for a significant event. Um, I was 16 years old. I remember I was 16. It was brisk, spring day. And stapled all over every TV and everywhere. Uh, even if you didn't have cable TV, it was 24-hour review. There was this religious sect down in Waco who, uh, who were held up, you know. Guns pointing out the windows, all this evil stuff. You know, and, and the, the FBI and the ATF has surrounded them and trying to coax them to come out. Now, granted, I'm 16. I don't know a lot about this. But I, I don't have a political theory built in my mind at the time. I don't have um, anything. You know, you know, I'm 16. I, I just got my driver's license four months before that or whatever. And so... The media, they're playing on to us like it is um, like the Branch Davidians are this uh, it's pretty horrendous cult. And they keep harking back to uh, um, the cult that went down to Guyana, the People's Temple, and committed suicide. And, and so every time... They, they did that. Every time they did that, it put it in your mind that um, this was an evil cult. You know, this was an evil group. They, they just, it's like they scammed it. Sorry. Um, so they just push this image into your mind and it's shocking that they did that when you sit where I am now and you look back having the recollection of that, um, you can obviously see that it is a 
heavy corruption involved in that. I, in my later years, I am not a fan of uh, the media. Not the media tends to be um, they tend to they tend to twist things just enough to get either a point of view that's sold to them or a point of view they want pushed out and and i feel like we get a lot of dishonesty from that a lot of i don't know it feels dirty slimy used to call it yellow journalism i mean they coaxed us into the the well was a spanish colonial revolution they coaxed coaxed us into that you know way back when but anyways so i wanted to go through and do a quick show on it from my point of view now being a you know the uh adult that i am so i was thinking we would look at kind of um the history of the branch davidians let's see if i can Oh, find the history. Okay. Let's just do a Wikipedia reading. I know that's not supposed to be done. Now, their, their flag's an interesting flag. It's a star, David, that kind of has intersecting lines amongst the stars, making a geometric sign and a snake flying through. Okay. Founded in 1955 uh, by... Benjamin Roden. Um, they they were a part of a Seventh Day Adventist church, which um, this guy he started like a magazine, uh, Shepherd's Rod, I is what it says it was called, and started bumping heads with the Seventh Day Adventist leaders, and boom, kick him out. So he goes and starts his own thing. He cruises down to Waco, Texas, and he buys this uh, pasture land, you know, cattle pasture land to set up and, and, you know, kind of starts his own kind of thing down there. What his church was about was about the kind of the second coming of Christ, you know, the end of days, like we see it a lot. And, uh, He's kind of born, I don't know, it feels kind of Millerite to me, which Miller was a guy that in, I want to say like 18, 1880 or 1870, he predicted it and, and had a lot of stuff. And then lots of churches have done this. So they go down there and set it up. Roden starts getting older and he's got a, a wife. Um, yeah, it says right there, Millerite. Um, he's got a wife that she's getting on. She takes over for him after he's too old to carry on and dies. So his wife is taking on. She has a son who's planning on taking over after that. And this skinny, long-haired guy named Vernon Howell shows up. He's like 21, 22 at the time. He's just a skinny guy that liked to play guitar, 
like the Bible, really interested in the Bible. And he starts a relationship with old lady Roden, who in this time is like 65. Starts, uh, you know, dating her. Cringe-inducing, maybe. Um, but, okay. Let's talk about Vernon's history. I think he was born around Houston, Texas, somewhere around there. Uh, single mom. Uh, she was like 16, teenage pregnancy. Her father wouldn't let her continue to see her 18-year-old uh, baby daddy. So she moves into Houston and, uh, well, kind of does the single mom slip off of the 60s. Drops a baby off with his grandparents who raised him until he's five. He doesn't live with his mom again until he's like five or six. She then gets married to a guy. His stepdad is kind of a violent guy and starts abusing this young guy. And... Uh, Oh, it's kind of a rough upbringing. Sorry. Had to, today, this one requires a beer. Had to open it, and it's one of these uh, nitro numbers. You know, anyways, cheers. He's also abused in the neighborhood. He has a... It's not very learned, man, I guess. Kind of has a speech impediment and a couple other things. Has a nickname about town, uh, Mr. Retardo. And so that's what they called him. And so he kind of gets lost in by himself, has a hard time finding friends, humming humna. When he turns 18, he gets a 16-year-old pregnant, and her father uh, doesn't want him seeing her. Uh, they battle through and, you know, don't make it. So he ends up out here at Waco. It's a little bit of stuff in between. Uh, he's a guitarist in bands floating around. So, and forgive me if my timeline's a little messed up, because I'm just going to shoot off the hip with most of this. I will show a couple pictures maybe here and there, but not a lot. So he starts dating old lady Roden. Well, her son is pretty irritated about this, and there's one accusation of him being the Messiah because he got this 66-year-old woman pregnant. And uh, he said, and he said this on an interview also, he said, if I did get her pregnant, something to the effect of, then I would be Jesus. And this interview that he said this on, he said, if I did get this 66-year-old woman pregnant, then I would be Jesus. This interview was played over and over during the siege, just the I'm Jesus part, or I would be Jesus part, to soil the, kind of soil the waters, you know? So it's, it's again why I don't trust the media. They'll pull something out of context because it draws more eyes and more eyes on their commercials. I don't think they're doing it maliciously. I think they're just doing it out of greed. But they want more eyes on their commercials, and the more people watch it, the more eyes are on their commercials, gives them more revenue. So if they can get someone on the hook over and over, 
though the media kind of pulls cover for the siege, but we'll get into it in a minute. So her son is kind of coming apart at the seams, it sounds like, kind of losing his mind about all this. And uh, he kind of runs him out. As she gets a little older, he gets enough of the members together that outnumber Vernon's members and kind of runs Vernon and his guys out. But then they're still kind of going back and forth out in town, out in Waco and everything else. And he challenges him to a necromancy off. And outside of like Aleister Crowley, I never thought that those would be words that I would say. So they've got a cemetery on the, on the place. And he digs up like a 20 year dead lady challenges him to a necromancy off and Vernon says no I don't do that and, but then tries reporting him to the police and police like what heavens have you got you know which is a crazy story so Vernon in a gaggle of his members take some rifles and go out there and uh, to try to get evidence that his words I don't know that they dug up this body. And while they're there, he gets into a shootout with his ex-girlfriend's son, who's older than him. Nobody dies. Vernon gets hit. Nobody on the other side gets hit. But the sheriff's called. As soon as the sheriff shows up, Vernon and his guys, oh, the, t the place is called Mount Carmel, out of the Bible, something about um, the Jews held up against the Romans on a Mount Carmel, as far as I know, maybe the Babylonians or Scythians, or who knows, I mean, I'm not a Bible learned man. Anyhow, after Roden throws him out, he renames it Rodenville, which Sounds enticing, I have to say. So, sheriff shows up. They nab him. They actually arrest him. And they charge him with uh, attempted murder and what have you. He gets off on a mistrial and all his buddies are acquitted. And while he's there, some of the jurors are like, hugging him out in the hallway after it's all said and done. He Apparently, he had a, a way about him that people liked. And uh, it's just a wild story. He's inviting the prosecutors over for ice cream after it's over. And they went. It's just a crazy story. Anyways, so... Not long after that, old young Roden, he's coming apart at the seams. Um, he's losing his mind. One of his guys came up and said to him, I have a premonition. He, he thought Vernon Howell was 
kind of the thoughts of Vernon Howell, either he thought spiritually he's beating him or whatever, but Vernon Howell was on his mind. So one of the guys came up and said, I had a premonition and he killed him with an ax. So boom, off to jail he goes. So Vernon and his boys move right back in. So we're going to set the scene in place right now. So it's kind of like a, a shanty town out in the middle of the plains in Texas. Flatland, as far as I can see, sagebrush, uh, scrub trees, nothing really to speak of. Off a dirt road, a couple of farms on either side of the spread. And they've got about 20 little plywood houses. Just little plywood shacks that everyone kind of lived in. Once they get back out there, Vernon, um, they find a drug lab, meth lab in one of the shacks. So Vernon calls the sheriff. Hey, guys, there's a meth lab in here. We just took it back over. Will you please come out and take care of it? Sheriffs come out and take care of it. Now, Vernon was not a teetotaler. He drank. Um, he allowed he didn't like nicotine use and he didn't like over drinking, but you know, a little bit of alcohol use was fine, but he, he didn't like drugs. Um, so he got rid of that out of there. Sheriffs came out and got it. He had a good reputation with the sheriffs, you know, um, well, the sheriff and all the deputies and, you know, and he kind of had a good working relationship around the town. And I know right now I'm singing a lot of praises of him, but don't worry. Yeah, that changes soon. So he has this good relationship around the town with people. It's said that he, uh, if there was a dispute with, you know, a working relationship, he preferred that his group took the loss so he maintained a relationship. You know, which is good business practice. They had a couple of little businesses. They had a uh, landscaping type business, you know, yard working business. They had an auto mechanic shop. They had, uh, right there, about a year before the end, a year and a half, they had started selling guns at gun shows. So they would buy upper and lower receivers, bring them in, put them together, boom, sell them. Um, about this time, uh, they, they had a business called the Gold Bag. He legally changes his name to David Koresh. David, obviously, from, you know, King David. And Koresh is the Jewish pronunciation of Cyrus, as in Cyrus the Great. So he changes his name. He also takes the daughter of a, of a couple members as his bride. This is a legal marriage in Texas, but it's abhorrent. She is 14. Still preaching. Still kind of doing his thing. It seemed kind of like a... Kind of a not communist, communist system they're building out there in the beginning. You know, everyone goes out there and lives and becomes a part of it. And apparently he was pretty good at the old uh, 
biblical references. So, let's catch up. In 1993, um, well, let's go back a little bit. We're still in late 1992. He had a member who he came out with this a new message that he had received from God that said that um, essentially was to dissolve all marriages of all members and be the husband for everyone. Because he had to father um, saints for the second coming or something. So, layman's terms. He... He took the married dudes and said, okay, you can no longer sleep with your wife. That's now my job. Uh, and your kids are now mine too. That's another part of it that's weird. Mostly the underage ones. The older ones still maintained a little bit with their fathers, but I think that's because they were beyond the point of being able to change. But the younger ones, it was weird. And it must have been weird for those kids too, where they couldn't call their father father anymore. They called David father and their dad Steve. Anyway, so you go on. So this pissed off his kind of second in command at the time. And the second in command was an Australian cat who ran back to Australia and got mad and started reporting a whole bunch of stuff uh, that he was sleeping with, you know, 10 year old and nine year olds. Now, there is a little bit of evidence that he was sleeping with some. Uh, 12-year-olds, 10-year-olds. There is some evidence of that. Not concrete. As far as I know, maybe there is some evidence. And then a UPS guy is making this delivery to the gold bag, his gun and tactical survivalist equipment uh, business. And uh, while he's making this delivery, box break op breaks open and there is either uh, grenade husks, which a grenade, when you buy it, when you get a grenade in the military, uh, U.S. grenades look like a baseball with a nub out the top. They're perfectly circle, uh, spherical. I know I should. They're perfectly spherical. And um, so they come in. And then there's another box that has the fuse in it. The fuse is in this cardboard tube and the spoon is hanging down the edge of the fuse and the pin is already in it. And then you take the fuse and you screw it in the top of the grenade. Yeah. That's how you build a grenade. You essentially build them. They don't ship them whole. So the fuse has just like a blasting cap rating on it. Easily take a finger, clean off, you know, humming humming it's not gonna you know do the mass damage and the fireball whatever the grenade body has the real explosive in it and the fuse ignites out anyways so there's argument on whether they had shipped in these grenade husks or if it was dummy grenades to be sold sold at uh at gun shows as you know 
jokes or something cool to look at. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure anyone who's had a has got a veteran boss somewhere has seen the uh, the little grenade sitting on a placard on your boss's desk and tied to the pin. It says take a number, you know, or complaint desk poll here, whatever, you know, some funny saying. It could have been either of those. I'm not going to make that judgment. I, for one, am a big supporter of the Second Amendment. And I think that the government oversteps on what they're trying to do all the time. That's just me. Of course, I don't own any guns for you ATF guys watching. The only guns I ever use, I borrow from a friend. When you make that illegal, the only guns I'll ever use is on video games. But anyways, so that word gets back to the ATF. So the ATF starts looking into this company. Now, the company was ran... David's side or, or the Davidian side was kind of the manufacturer side. And then the sale, the face of the sale was another guy who was an FFL licensed dealer who legally sold guns at gun shows. Now, for anyone who doesn't know at a gun show, you still have to go through all the steps. You have to show your license. You have to fill out the FBI paper. What is it? A 4223 or something like that. You have to do all of that still. Democrats are just retarded and don't look into what they say. It's But so are Republicans. It's all talking points. Anyways, so you get into this, and the ATF starts looking into them. Now, about a year before 1993, the ATF really wanted to go after these. The ATF kind of had a bug in its ass for outside conventional religious groups, and they didn't like up in Idaho, there's a group that were tied kind of to the Aryan nation, but they were a Christian separatist group that were kind of white nationalists. They wanted to get into this Aryan nation. They wanted to get into them too. So um, a guy named Randy Weaver, an ex-Green Beret out of the army that had gotten out and moved his family up there from, uh, I think, Flint area or Wisconsin or something to get away from what he felt their city was becoming, uh, living on a plot of land, the ATF kind of harasses him until he guns, you know, cuts a shotgun a half inch too short, and then they do a raid on his house and kill his, I think, uh, 12-year-old son because they shot the dog. Son just sees two guys in... Like ghillie suits, shoot his dog when him and his dog are out hunting. So he shoots them and then they kill his son and then they kill his wife while she's holding his newborn baby. So the ATF is under fire. Matter of fact, um, on May 28th, 1993, the ATF was scheduled to go before, uh, I think it was a House Judiciary Committee, to have some of their funding stripped. It's just that they were going to strip some of their funding because they screw up. And so the ATF wanted something flashy. There was a new thing that had just come on Fox News back then. Or not Fox News, Fox TV or whatever. Same thing Simpsons was on. It's called Cops. And the ATF wanted a piece of that action. Save their paychecks and what have you. So, the ATF 
starts getting the media involved. I think it's a Houston Times or Dallas dog shit, whatever the newspaper's called. Writes a four or five piece part story on the sinful Messiah. Before the ATF commits this raid. So again, the media is poisoning the well. And they write about this branch Davidians and David Koresh and all the things about him. I don't think David was definitely not a messiah. But he definitely drew people in. I think he was very sinful. Um, marrying a 14-year-old, I don't care if her mom and dad say yes. You got something wrong with you. Um, and the evidence shows that he slept with a lot of young girls. Slept with a lot of young girls. He also kind of annulled the marriages, or at least religiously annulled the marriages of all his married members of his church, people of his flock, people he was supposed to care for. Separated them from their wives and took all of that to himself. Kind of, you know, I mean, I'm from Utah. Kind of a bit of religious history replayed. And, you know, Joseph and Brigham weren't the first. Read about the Anabaptists of Munster one day. That gets wild. Anyways, so he wasn't a good guy. But I don't think it was the evil that they were, that they wanted or needed to go after. So let's move on to the ATF. Can I just say in the forefront, the ATF should be uh, dismantled, done away with. The ATF has never been positive or successful in their history, period. Okay. So the ATF, they... They want to serve this warrant. So they write up a couple affidavits. Now, since then, the affidavits, when they got kind of judged afterwards, they're found to have lies. And the ATF does not have any purveyance over children, child abuse or otherwise. Now, uh, Child Protective Services of Texas had been called out there multiple times by multiple people, found nothing wrong. This guy that left the church had sicked him on him at first, but when he couldn't get traction that way, he went higher. The ATF um, wrote in their affidavit about child abuse. The ATF wrote that they were um, converting AR-15s and M-16s. And uh, there's no evidence of that. But we'll get into more of that at the end. And if I don't mention that, please remind me.
they uh, they moved in across the street into an old farmhouse for rent. Said they were some trade tech students or something. They move in across the street, and David Koresh goes jogging just about every day right past their house. Um, but as soon as they move in, David delivers a pizza and some beer to him. He says, hey, just want to get to know you. So he's not hiding from him. He's not in this locking himself away in here. But I think the ATF wanted the flashy thing. So, the ATF lies on an affidavit to get a warrant. The warrant is a knock and declare warrant. Which means, in popular law enforcement parlance, you knock on the door. A reasonable amount of time is given. And then, if a reasonable amount of time, when they say that, they generally argue. You know, stay there until you're getting bored of staying there. Don't abuse someone's Fourth Amendment right. Because that's how you lose in court. Then you enter. Well, they go to this uh, hangar just outside of Waco, Texas. They go to the U.S. Army also. And tell the U.S. Army that he has drugs. Because the Posse Comitatus Act says that U.S. military cannot be used against civilians in the United States of America. And then somewhere in the 70s or 80s, it was written in, unless drugs, you know, a little red pen down in the bottom right of that act. So the Army sends out some Blackhawk helicopters. And, uh, and the ATF uh, has those. And then they have these pickup trucks with, uh, with like cattle cars on the back covered with the tarp to hide what's in them. Anyway, so the ATF gearing up for this raid. They don't ever practice. Um, they don't ever even talk about the knock at the door. They gather everyone and just practice what's called a dynamic entry. Dynamic entry means it's fast, it's violent, and it's in your face. That's what it means. It's a static entry would be a totally planned, but a dynamic is we don't know exactly what's going on. They've built a chalk, uh, a chalk village, you know, an engineer tape village of the place and trained on it and trained on it. And then, uh, so the day they're getting ready to go, apparently the ATF head according to him, said that if it's not a surprise, don't go forward with it, which is stupid. They shouldn't want this to be a surprise because the way it played out, they, they treated it like they were a military invading a foreign country. So, they're heading out there, but they call the old news crews that they've been trying to build this cop show, you know, bad boys, what you gonna do show, and they want to get them out there. So all the news crews on their way out, because the ATF is going to do this raid that everyone's going to want footage of, because it's going to be the sexiest thing to happen in Waco, Texas in at least 10 years. They stop and ask for directions from mailman. They tell the mailman, hey, there's an ATF raid going to happen at the, out there at the Mount Carmel. How do we get there? Where is the turn to turn off to go to there? Well, that mailman was 
was a member of the Branch Davidians at Carmel. So he calls ahead. Says, hey, they're coming. And sure enough, they all know they're coming. The people inside there, get ready for it. Okay, don't nobody do anything stupid. Now this according to people inside, especially David Thibodeau. Read his book. They also made that movie. That movie, uh, I think it's on Amazon about him. The new one on Netflix, piss you off. It's I'm going to curse those guys out at the end of the show. So enjoy that. So they go cruising out there and while David is inside warning everyone, one of the ATF members that they kind of had kind of being an inside man, but David knew what he was the whole time. Even asked him about it, like confronted him on it but was trying to use him to convince the guys on the outside to, hey, be cool. So it's, you know, cat and mouse game being played there with uh, who's a good boy. Of course, this guy, he ended up with like a $2.5 million settlement at the end of this, but we'll get into that. He says, oh, shit. He he runs out. I got to go. And Dave says, hey, tell him to be cool. He runs out, warns him, hey, they know you're coming. Well, they're committed. They want violence. The ATF wants blood. Because they want the cops. Let me read some comments and then we'll finish off the rest of kind of my story. King, what's going on? I have noticed that the Waco standoff took a big effect on the people all over the world. It pushes or embedded the thought of a spiritual movement. And it wrote a new... A Religious Freedoms Act. Kind of wild that that was something like that had to be written so late. Now, we gotta add, gotta give the feds a little bit of gentleness. A year before um, the '92 World Trade Center bombing had just happened, even though the FBI was heavily involved in that, and you know, but we'll get into my thoughts on this at the end. Fill in hard times, then makes it worse. Ever step on the way and makes you think that was the thing that pushed him to believe or have faith on his beliefs. Yes. Julie says, you should do shorts. Are you saying I'm long-winded? Because I am. I know I am. This is, imagine being my friend at a bar. These guys are tortured. The ATF officer who took the case after that with his mind. And yes, we will cover that. I think his name was Rodriguez. I think so. Anyways. So on to it. We're on the morning when they're getting ready to kick off this 51 day. Now, there's two sides to this story. One of them is right. And the other one hid all the evidence. I don't know which is which, but I don't I do know which one hid all the evidence. The feds hid all the evidence. Any evidence that was left got rid of. The metal doors on the front that didn't burn, where did they go? Who knows? 
So. They roll up. David steps out his front door. He opens the, there was a double door. One on the right, one on the left. He opens from the inside, the right-hand side, and steps out. Lifts his hand up and says, hey, you know, let's talk. Shots start ringing out. David gets shot in the hand and the stomach. Through and through on the stomach, and the hand is... (laughs) Busted up. His second in command, I think his name was Steve, something or another. He gets shot. A couple old men. They lose. They they lose. Um, two people in the in the onset of this. The ATF goes around behind the building, kills the dogs they have back there. Oh yeah, they also had Bradley. Oh, we'll get into that. That comes in later. Then they try to enter up the top floor. I've watched this video a few times. If you watch that American apocalypse, um, it boils my blood. But the guy who got shot on the roof is on that. I've watched this multiple times. In a past life, I did a little bit of uh, SWAT cop stuff. So I know what they're doing. Well, they didn't know what they're doing. I know what they're thinking they're doing. This was not a SWAT team that they had regular ATF agents. SWAT teams are specialized and trained. Regular ATF agents are not. It looks like when he draws from his holster, he shoots himself. Just going to throw that out there, but I'm not sure. Maybe someone shot him from inside, but it just looks sloppy. Another guy's halfway up a ladder, drawing his weapon. It's, mm, yeah, stupid stuff. Anyways, there's two contention or three contentions when this goes on. Contention one. When they went around back to kill the dogs, the people in front, right in the front, heard that and opened fire. That's one argument. The second argument is that... um, the Branch Davidians said, screw you, and opened up on them. The third one, and the one that I lean into, is that the ATF agents were poorly led, poorly trained, and poorly managed on that morning, and they went out there for a fight. And that when they saw him step out, their uh, fingers were in the trigger well, and they squoze. And that they shot just because they had had no direction on any kind of peaceful management of this day. They wanted to go out there and be abusive and violent. And so that's what they did. But then the Branch Davidians did respond. That morning, four four ATF agents were uh, uh, killed. Another two wounded. Correct my numbers if I'm wrong. Or another four wounded. They had no plan for evac. They had no plan for exfil. They did have army helicopters there. And they were firing from helicopters. Which is um, illegal in the United States of America for a law enforcement agency to do. I'm just going to throw that out there. But they did. 
Posse commentatus is a real thing. So they uh, they got pinned down. The initial fight I think went on for about a, an hour fifty something minutes. Um, right after it kicks off, first David second in command. And then Dave got on, they called the sheriff and said, what is going on? Call these guys off, get them to stop. We have women and children out here. So the sheriff had no clue. What the hell is this? What are you doing? Well, the ATF run around on him and didn't tell him about it because he had a good working relationship with the branch of Indians. And he says, oh, you want to arrest David? All right, let me give him a call. He'll come down here to us. They didn't want that. They wanted the sexy takedown. They wanted to show that, hey, look, these black vests that the Congress bought us, we're using them. They're cool. Look at this. Yes, these AR-15s, we're using them. They're cool. Look at our tactics and our maneuvers. The ATF should have been dismantled that year. They failed. So they finally start kind of negotiations. The lull on the fighting. And the ATF kind of requests permission to go and extract their down, their fallen guys. So branch civilians give it to them. They go in and get their guys, so the feds are pissed. Branch Davidians have two people dead, like five wounded. One of them's on the verge of death. He's fitting to die. Another guy's out back like he was working on the water tower and they killed him. Kind of hid that they did, it looks like. He was a British guy. So when he went to Great Britain and had uh, an autopsy done, the, aut the coroner said, this ain't right. What they said here ain't right. He got shot from above, and then he also says it looks like they did a point-blank shot to try to blame it on Branch Davidians. Just saying. That's what the British coroner said. He wasn't a Branch Davidian. He was just a medical doctor in Great Britain. So anyways. The FBI gets called. Big Brother gets called to help out the little shitbag brother they come out the fbi brings their hrt hostage rescue team if you absolutely absolutely want to have some of the best swat tactics on the field there's the guys you call they're also heavily known especially through the 90s for excessive force excessive violence and being a crude brunch bunch and I hope they clean that up. Then again, they should tear down the FBI too. But I'll get into that after. So they come out. The FBI takes over. Um, we don't need to go into all the little minute details because I'll get the timelines wrong. But they're trying to negotiate a release. David or Vernon Keeps kind of dragging him on. Keeps getting messages from God saying, not now. That he'd promise, well, we'll come out, you know, at 515. And 520 rolls around. He says, oh, God said no. It's wrong on his part. He had a lot of lives in his hands. But then again, 
Every time the feds promised an adult, come out and we'll treat you right, you know, come out, we just want to end this. Because there were a few adults that left beforehand. They put them in leg irons and put them in jail and separated them from their kids. Every time. And the people inside knew it. Because they saw and heard the news. So, it's obvious they didn't trust the feds. Now, the negotiators are doing their best. Hopefully they've corrected this too. When I played SWAT stuff, the negotiators were in charge. They had command. That's how it should be. The guys who have the chance to have a peaceful end are the bosses. Because the guys on the guns, there ain't no peaceful end to that. Just violence. But on this one, they were shut out. Matter of fact, the HRT guys would write nasty letters on shit houses on, a, on a honey buckets about the negotiators so that the cameraman can see it. I mean, they, they totally, you know, and uh, yeah, all right, cool. You're the tough guys with the guns and you're cool, whatever. But yeah, get into that in a minute. So all this is going on. 51 days. They destroyed their water tanks uh, on day one. Those people are running out of water. Living on MREs. They cut their power and no sewage. So they started shitting in buckets and throwing it into kind of a big gymnasium off in the corner by itself. The HRT guys also... This is our upstanding federal SWAT team. We're mooning them from their positions during the day. Just kind of, you know, flashing the bum at them. Which, sounds awful. It doesn't sound like the level of professionalism you'd want from an FBI hostage rescue team. They also did things that uh, Amnesty International and Humanitarian Watch and all those things consider war crimes like psychological torture they played music or loud noises they had floodlights flooding the place the most notable thing they played was rabbits being slaughtered and if you guys aren't familiar with slaughtering rabbits rabbits let out a high-pitched squill and they played that over and over. That was one of the questions that came up after if 
when the FBI is trying to justify their actions that they were a suicidal group, someone asked them, if they're so suicidal, why'd you try driving them to the edge like that? Good question, right? FBI couldn't answer it. Bill Clinton had just become president. With Bill Clinton coming in a week from today, 30 years ago, Janet Reno steps in and says, uh, this is head cop. Janet Reno come up from, come up from Florida and, and she was really staunch against child abuse. So when the FBI wanted to bring this to an end, they were guesstimating it was costing in those numbers, $5 million a day. It'd be like 300 gajillion a minute now in today's money. They wanted to, uh, a quick closure to this. One, they were getting tired of it. They wanted to kill these people to end it. No, I'm not going to say that. Here's what I'm going to say to you FBI guys who watch this. You didn't care if they died as long as it ended. I'm not going to say you wanted to kill them. I'm going to say you didn't care if they died. Just didn't care. Proof is in the pudding. So, they bring up flying to Janet Reno to gas him out with CS gas. Bunch of warnings on the gas canister. Don't use in in an enclosed space. Don't use on children and infants. Watch out what your medium is to mix it in. Apparently the FBI don't fucking read. Branch Davidians are in a big plywood building. So they're not fire rated. At one point, an FBI agent asks one of the guys they're talking to inside, "Have you got a? Have you got fire extinguishers?" And he says, "We got one." They said, it looks like someone should get some fire insurance, the FBI guy said. Their power been out. They've been running on kerosene lanterns for uh, for light. So there's kerosene lanterns all over the place. That's all they got. Power's out. Got no heat this time of year, that year. It was getting into the mid-20s every night. It's cold. The FBI brought with them Bradley fighting vehicles. Bradley fighting vehicles, an infantry tank. Um, you know, got a chain gun on top. I'm going to, I'm going to. It's their assault vehicle. They start crushing all the stuff around there. Crushing the cars and the, all the equipment they had around the outside for safety and not vengeance purposes. Remember that, folks. They decided to deploy something like 
I think the numbers was 500 times the suggested CS gas use into that building. The medium they suspended it in was paint thinner, turpentine. Now, for anyone out there, turpentine is highly flammable. They also brought out M1 Abrams tanks, the main battle tank of the United States military. And they brought out engineer tanks or or uh, I think they call them Fox vehicles. Started destroying the building. It's reported, even by the FBI, six people were killed in the cafeteria when that engineer tank punctured the wall. Four of them were children. The tank essentially crushed them. Now the FBI says that the Branch Davidians lit the fire in a suicide pact. I hope one FBI agent watches this. You gassed women and children and infants. That's it. That's all anyone needs to know about the story. You sit in company with Saddam Hussein when he gassed the Kurds. They don't make infant gas masks. There's not one made. And that was part of your justification to Reno to get her to sign off on it. So they pumped all those canisters of CS in there and Pumped them in strategically so there were no escape areas. Crushed walls. Now, let's say we'll go with the FBI story all the way. The Branch Davidians seeing what was coming in on them. Their infants choking and going into a like a pneumatic shock. start fires in the building and burn it down. Sure. Or on a windy day you bust holes on the upwind and downwind sides of a building and pop in pyrotechnic canisters that explode and release a chemical agent that is said not to be used indoors by the mother flippin' manufacturer that is suspended in the flammable agent and uses pyrotechnics to ignite. The place goes up and burns down. I mean, four people got out. 
There were 80 in there. Well, two of the women were pregnant. You know, I don't know. They, we had one was, uh, I think the numbers are correct, four months pregnant and one was eight. One was fit to have a baby any minute now. Um, the convulsions from the heat and the gas cause the babies to be stillborn. The FBI could not recognize most of the bodies brought out of there after that fire as being human. Now, I do argue, did the FBI know? Did they know that they were in for a shitstorm and the ATF was begging them, please, big brother? Because they called around all the local hospitals and asked about burn units, bed availability the day before. At least that's what's reported. Seventy-six people were murdered by the government because the ATF didn't want to lose its funding because the year before it shot a mother in the cheek that was holding an infant. It's actually an FBI HRT sniper did that. Called in again because the ATF jumped in and shot a 12-year-old boy. So, there's a lot more that I could cover on this show. And I know I'm leaning hard on the on the feds. Hate federal government law enforcement. Because there ain't nothing worse than trying to bring a cop from Washington, D.C., you know, to somewhere when you got a perfectly good sheriff that should be able to deal with it peaceably. Not to mention the corruption and the bullshit involved and the cost of it and all the crap they do. I'm not a fan of federal law enforcement. Now, so the new show on Netflix, Waco, American Apocalypse is bullshit. It's a cover-up story. Now, the show that was on Netflix a year ago, the David Kress show, whatever. It was a mini-series. Pretty good. I, I think it... Didn't go hard enough at David Koresh. All evidence points to he was touching little kids or little girls. I I shouldn't say he was touching barely pubescent girls. All the evidence points to that. Um, You know, watch the documentaries, but David Thibodeau... um, does a really he has a really good book on it and he's a survivor from there there was a huge cover up after ATF FBI if they were making um 
machine guns in there, which was your excuse for all that violence, why haven't you shown the evidence and why is your claim, this is the FBI's claim, well, we didn't test the guns to see if they were fully automatic. We figured it would cost too much. Why? Because you already killed everyone and destroyed all the evidence? Yeah. It, it it's, it's an awful story. It's an awful story. Um, I wish Betsy was here because it would be a better story told by us. And I could sit back and just add in my little anecdotes. But instead... You get a guy with an IQ of around 15 to shoot off the hip. Let's finish us off. The ATF officer that took the case after that messed with his mind. Yes, it was a guy that was on the inside. Um, he retired to San Antonio with a $2.5 million in 90s money settlement from the ATF, from the feds. So our money and PTSD from what happened that day. Julie says, great contact. Well, thank you, Julie. Um, and thank you for joining us and, and leaving your comments. King says, you know, evil was involved on both sides, 100%, 100%. Said the early 90s had a feel to them. Yeah. Though the early 90s was kind of, and maybe it's just my nostalgia because of my age, kind of was the last time before we had a real culture war boiling over. We just kind of cooled off after the gang wars that was taking over the cities. Um, yeah, it felt safer, felt less violent and less awful. Although, it was probably safer than it was then. It's just... News is on all day, so we hear about everything. King says, use gun violence on them. They use gone by lens on them. Gone by lens. I don't know. I, I, I typed that again, King. I don't know what I said. Let's see what's on Facebook real quick. Christy, hello, Christy. How are you? Hope things are going well. Uh, Christy does a show. Uh, Christy Wilson, go check her out. She's so coffee and cards with Christy. Uh, kind of a, a tarot card reading number. Go check her out. Good supporter. Uh, so Crystal Salva. He says, I will watch in YouTube. Okay, I dig it. I, uh, I dig it. Yeah, if you want to watch on YouTube, that's fine. Uh, or, you know, that's great. Thank you for watching. But yeah, so to round it up, 30 years ago today, 76 people were killed by our government. I think they were initially killed because our different religion allowed them to be otherized by the ATF which pissed off the FBI when they outgunned and outmaneuvered the ATF. So the FBI had to come out and hurt them. Revenge. I said it. The FBI. Revenge killed 76 people. Then trumped up shit 
And if you get the chance, read about the court cases. Read what the head juror said in the first trial. She wrote the judge over and over. Yeah. This was federal corruption. And I want to point this out. This was a turning of the tide. This was when the left, I don't know if you guys are into the culture war stuff, but this was when the left took over culture. Prior to that, the left would have been pissed about the federal government using violence on anyone. And this was the first time the left showed up and defended the federal government for using violence on the other. And that's the way it's been ever since. And the right started drawing back. The right has slowly been drawing back. I think right now we're at a pendulum. Right now, I think the right and the Republicans have zero trust for government. And the left has complete trust in government. They want to turn every decision over to the government. And the right wants the government to have no decision. Waco was that change. It's interesting piecing this timeline together. Anyways, you guys, check out David Thibodeau's book. Um, it's really good. It's going to go into details. Remember, my story is just dog shit from a moron. His book is great. True or false? Now on that new Netflix documentary, they call Thibodeau a liar. Doesn't come across that way, and he doesn't throw around flagrant remarks. I think the ATF is covering their butt, and I think they're haunted by what they did. And my message to that HRT sniper guy that's on there talking. Man, you're a piece of shit. Straight up. You murdered 76 people. Not at one time. Did you guys take a step back and say, there's fucking babies in there. Let's take a breath. <laughs>